just a bunch of witty banter. Good play, Papa. What's up, everybody? There's some boops. You're listening to Witty Banter right now. This is episode number 36. I'm your host, Chase Williams. To my right is the long, tall Texan, Hunter Dorsett. <laughs> That's my name. Don't wear it out. And to my left is the mix master, Forrest Collada. Glad to be back. Making a return. We had so much fun with them last episode that we had to get them back immediately. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a crappy day out. How are you guys doing? A little overcast. You it, know, it is a little crappy out. What is it today? The 21st? Yes. Yep, it's the 21st. November. That means we are almost a, uh, we like, what, a week away exactly from, from no, six days away from uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, pretty close. Thanksgiving's around the corner. What, what are y'all's Thanksgiving festivities looking like? For uh, for you go first. I will be in North Carolina. My parents live on top of a mountain there, so Ooh, I'll be there. Chapel Hill. Uh, it's yeah. They, <laughs> they live uh, they live near um, Asheville. It's in Black Mountain. Oh, okay, cool. Do you ever stand at the top of that mountain and like yodel or anything? Uh, no, but I do. Lis- I did one time stand like on a rock and just listen to some epic music and like stare off. Into That's the really cool. That sounds really, really cool. nice. I feel like if I lived up there, I would just walk around with a uh, hatchet. All the time. I have a picture of me with a hatchet. I was chopping wood. The picture's a lie, though, because I couldn't actually split the wood with with the axe. It's really hard. Oh, Did you have a beard to match the hatchet? No, no. Well, that's just farce. <laughs> that's why farce it's fake. Cool. I had to use a wedge. No, you tap a wedge into the log and then take a giant hammer to it. That's easy. <laughs> the hatchet's see. hard. You got My dad just, like, splits it right down the middle with the... That's nah, right. That's some, that. that's some burly man. <laughs> that's some dad stuff right there. Okay, well, every episode of Witty Banter, we review a beer, and uh, we're not going to stop doing that today. Yay! The beer we have is called Witch Hunt Spiced Ale, and it comes from Bridgeport Brewing. Okay, we got any uh, specifics regarding ABV? 5.8% alcohol by volume. Okay. So, um, it's out of Portland, Oregon. And so, we already all poured it up, and it's got like a really pretty, just amber hue to it. Mm -hmm. Super filtered, super clear. I haven't gotten a chance to taste it yet. Any, uh, wow. I can smell the nutmeg. Uh, it's supposed to be an ale brewed with cinnamon and nutmeg spices, and I think it comes through in the smell a little bit, huh? Mm, it smells good. It smells nutmeggy. Yeah, nutmegian. <laughs> I'm not clear on what nutmeg smells like exactly, but it's, I. It's what you're smelling. <laughs> I mean, I, it smells citrusy to me. Damn, taste that. That's super spicy. Wow. It is extremely spicy. That's interesting. Not That's like good. spicy as in like, you know, your typical use of spicy, but it Not has lots spicy. of spices. Yeah, it tastes like an autumn beer there. Yeah. It's interesting. Detecting. What is that aftertaste? <laughs> like, there's kind of like a lingering little dosage of aftertaste. Is that the nutmeg or what is that? Yeah. I don't really it's get like any clove. Of, yeah, I don't really get any of the cinnamon though. Really? I mean, I maybe it's just. I, t- I taste the cinnamon. Yeah, okay. I think the cinnamon is what's lingering there for me personally. Okay. Now the actual body of the beer, like the the way, like the initial taste is sort of almost like toffee. Mm. Okay. Anybody <laughs> that resonate at I, all? I don't know, man. I mean, it, this one's kind of tough. I think that it's like the, the the profile of it is. I feel like it goes through kind of like two or three different phases almost. The smell is kind of drastically different from the taste. I'd agree. Yeah. So it's balanced and interesting. Cool. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> well, let's uh let's spare. Spare no time and go ahead and jump into the news because we have quite a bit to talk about. That sounds gravy. And some more fun stuff planned afterwards. So uh, this is Witty Banter. (laughs) 
Hunter, did you have anything that you were bringing? Yeah, I had one thing that I looked up that I thought was pretty interesting. So you want me to when we start off? Lay it on us. I'll lay the smack down. Okay, so <laughs> when I say the company name Alibaba, what does that spark in your mind? Do you know anything about this company? Aladdin. Yeah, I was about to say. I'm not talking about the play that I did. The uh, we're outside of the realm of folk tales. Scorpions. <laughs> okay, Alibaba. Do y'all do y'all actually know anything about the company Alibaba? I have no idea. Sand. They so make sand. Alibaba is a Chinese e-commerce website. Or oh, company. I have heard of this. I've bought. I won't say what I bought. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I, don't worry about. Bought wh- stock. I mean, I bought something for a girlfriend from. <laughs> them one time and let me say and this. i said it was from zale was they, it a remote <laughs> no it was an article of clothing and it came like way too small because uh, it's coming from china so you know uh, it's like too tiny yeah. over there it's very tiny it's a scale factor of 0.7 don't worry about what it was so hunter what are we what are we so alibaba is this like e-commerce site where they own like the biggest online retailer website and the on biggest online shopping websites like in China. And they recently, uh, on September at the end of September did an American IPO on the New York stock exchange. It was the biggest IPO to ever hit for the layman's describe IPO. IPO. Okay. An IPO is by name. It's an initial public offering. It is essentially the process that happens from a, private company or a publicly or a company that is not publicly listed on the New York Stock Exchange going on the New York Stock Exchange providing shares at you know a, really a market price the, the the price changes but then people will buy that share or buy that share in order to get you know their so they're becoming piece public of yeah, it's yeah. Just when, the, when it goes public okay. Yeah. Okay, but public. but the thing about the IPO that's interesting is it's all about speculation i mean the value of the IPO is going to be dependent on people's perceptions of that company coming into being a public offering. So I just thought it was interesting because this was the first Chinese private corporation to come into America and do like their first public IPO, and it's the biggest IPO ever. It was twenty-five oh, billion. Man, really, they raised twenty-five billion dollars to give people shares and stuff. They're also today dropping eight billion dollars in bonds to be able to pay off loans and stuff. And their market value is $231 billion, which is more than Amazon and oh, the other, like w- one of the other main retailers that are like the biggest retailers in America combined. So basically this China bully guy is coming into the market and like it's to be seen kind of how is, that's going to play is out. Is there any precedent of like, an American company going over to China. They have a stock exchange. I mean, they, yeah, of course. But uh, I, th- Cause, I cause think because they're the first to come over here. Have we I, ever gone over there? I, well, I don't know. That is a good question. I'm not going to answer that because I uh-huh. don't know. But basically, the relations and business between China and U.S. are always really hazy, and there's a very, very blurred line there. So I would not be surprised if we have never done that before. Right. If this was like groundbreaking for one of those things to do. Do you that. know how much? Uh, a single share cost? It was initially at like $66. Okay. And then it worked its way up to like $92 Damn. by the end of it. So it's pretty freaking big. Especially it's, it's more than Microsoft, right? Microsoft's like probably. 50 something. And the thing is, is that it's, it hasn't been in, like, it hasn't been doing business in America for a long time. So that's strictly off of just like speculation of how valuable people think it is. It's so. a sketchy looking website. When I ordered what I ordered, um, <laughs> it was... 
like I was first off. What, what piece of clothing has like caused so much haziness to that? I don't know. It was anyway. they were weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, a pencil belt. Yeah, when I ordered yeah. my pencil belt, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't for me. Um, <laughs> I was getting like first of all the website looks you know it just looks like a pop-up mess you know there's stuff every, garbage everywhere all over white, the site. a white page and nothing but blue hyperlinks no just... no, for, no like <laughs> not that far off from that and i was getting emails from them. i still get emails from them all the time and i've tried to unsubscribe they're just like uh i don't know what you know. <laughs> china there, there's no such thing as unsubscribing <laughs> china <laughs> but yeah so i still get emails from them and i don't know maybe i'll buy some stock and they'll stop or something i <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I mean, it looks well, like they'll it, send you more. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I've heard speculation that there could be a bubble on the uh, on the rise. What is a bubble? Like an economic bubble? Like, you know how in 2002, whenever all like the uh, technology companies started getting like invested in a lot, and then everyone was like, "Oh, well, we don't know if this is going to be like as big of a deal as it was," and mm. then it popped. And then that's how Mark Cuban became a 2.5 billion dollar man because he basically just had a bunch of stock in Yahoo and then sold it all right before the bubble and was gravy <laughs> after that. Yahoo sucks now. Nah, I love Mark Cuban. Yeah, but I do love Mark Cuban. I love Mark Cuban. Yahoo aside. Okay. But yeah, that's all I had. I just thought that the Alibaba's entrance into the U.S. market was pretty interesting and something to definitely keep an eye out for. Cool. Well, steamrolling right along, we're going to talk about phone usage right now. Cool. Okay. So this comes from a study done by a telecommunications analyst named Benedict Evans, and okay. uh, he found that in the last nine months, time spent on mobile devices has increased 9%, growing to two hours and 57 minutes daily. That's awful. This surpasses the time spent watching television, which averages two hours and 48 minutes. So basically the study was like, okay, now people are on their phones longer than they watch TV on average. And then uh, he also notes that TVs only account for 24% of devices that access video content now. Wow. Which I was a little surprised at. That's like a tiny number. But yeah, yeah people stare at their phone for three hours a day. Yeah, I think a lot of people do computer video stuff. I mean, whenever, I, especially like college kids, you know, like whenever my first experience was moving in with other people was that we would all just hang out, watch TV together, and everyone would bring their laptop to the living room and yep. just chill on it for like literally four hours and do that. So it really kind of doesn't surprise me. Like we had the TV there, but it was really like computer friends, then TV kind of like as a tertiary entertainment. I used to, I used to do the same thing. And my, my old roommate, Ricky Causey, would tell me that, I mean, he told me after the fact that he used to, I would be sitting there on my phone and I was so absorbed in it. He would sit there and just say the most messed up things to me. <laughs> and apparently I'd be like, yeah, definitely. Definitely you should. And he'd be like, so should I go, you know, commit genocide in Africa? Def and I was like, yeah, dude, for sure. <laughs> and like, I have no recollection of any of the things he said, but apparently it was like a thing he did every day. Man, but like, also, if you think about it, I feel as if when most people are watching television, they also have their phone out and they're doing like both at the same time always now. And that's right. probably just like some bleed over. But, I mean, my mom sits around on her iPad watching the television all the time. And she doesn't even watch the television. She just, just, just plays solitaire on the iPad. Yeah. I mean, I pull up the Alien Blue Reddit client on my phone or Tinder or whatever and just, you know, <laughs> flip through girls that I have no, <laughs> I, I have no chance through with. Babes. Like, whatever. Like, I yeah. mean, and, you know, Facebook, I, I don't get that much joy out of Facebook anymore. It's all just BuzzFeed articles. I deleted it off my phone. <laughs> The other week. How pathetic. Feels good, man. Dude, yeah, how like, is that? 
Oh, it's good. I mean, it's a journey. Seriously, it was how be- pathetic of a question is that? Like? It's a real deal, though. I mean, well, it's also because over about a week ago, I was contemplating just like deleting my Facebook. Period. Oh no, you can't do oh, that because you need it these oh. days. Like, I yeah. thought that you. Oh, I thought that's what you meant. That the, I thought that you went ahead and did all of it. I, I commented on your shit like <laughs> a day ago. I'm sorry, Chief. I remember back uh, like in high school, freshman year, I remember sitting in the MySpace account settings and mm-hmm. hovering over the delete button yeah. and wanting to so bad and I couldn't do it. Yep. And like, that's so what sad. Is that? What is that? I was afraid that the girl I like to follow on MySpace or something would, you know... She would disappear if I wasn't there to like. I don't know. There would be a sudden shortage of hot girls for me to look. Yeah, at. Yeah, I needed. Of, like, I needed those comments. Someone dude, comments that's your the stuff. Thing. Like, Notifications, and it sucks because MySpace was like in a de- like a period where our minds were developing, and just the euphoria <laughs> from getting on and it being like new picture comments and me just like yes. <laughs> it's ingrained in me now that like when I get on Facebook and I see that little red freaking one, I'm just like. Oh my god. My life has meaning. Someone interacted with me. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, Hunter invited you to play Farmville. <laughs> and you're like, hey, damn it. That never happened, guys. Let's let's be on the real here. Yeah, he plays Candy Crush. I don't play any games. <laughs> Literally don't play any games. Strike that from the record, damn it. <laughs> so yeah, we uh, we look at our phones a lot more than we look at TV now. I think that's good though, because hopefully with your phone you're at least interacting with somebody however indirect. No, you're not. <laughs> Dude, when people are on their phones, they're just hitting refresh. All right, and all right, staring. That's fair. They don't do Which anything. is almost worse, in a way. I well, mean, ask yeah, ask yourself what's worse: watching Futurama reruns or refreshing your Facebook feed and at least seeing how your life is inferior to your friends. Like, they both. They're sound both. Suck. Yeah, they yeah. both sound. They're bad. both okay. crappy. <laughs> You're not giving me many options. Right, 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 right. Like we're replacing Coca-Cola with Diet Coke right now. It's just like, okay, cool. Well, it's still shitty for you. you know? Well, one of those is definitely better than the other. One of them causes cancer. Okay. <laughs> On the count of three, say which one's better. One, two, three. Regular Diet Coke. Coke. Damn it. You liked, y- of course I like Diet Coke, Forrest. <laughs> I told you you hate everything. We'll get back to that later. Moving right along. That's why I'm here today. Yeah. Chase is a DC, DC champion. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit now about... Um, some stuff that PlayStation had been announcing, uh, or Sony rather. So okay. recently, Sony announced a new television service called PlayStation View. It's spelled V U E because you got to be different. Right. It's how, a, wait, how is it spelled? V U E. Stupid. Yeah. Well, they don't know how to spell, man. AccuView. It's a uh, subscription service with a monthly fee, but with no contract, and it will offer 75 channels. However, it does not allow you to pick the channels you want. They all come bundled, just like normal cable does. Um, channels include CBS, Fox, and Viacom, as well as sports and local news. Pricing has not been announced, but they promise to be transparent and not have hidden fees. And uh, after they release, they plan on bringing a service to the iPad and other non-Sony devices. I think this is really, really interesting. I don't know what to think. Indicative of that, this is just more cable cut, just five star. I think this is just indicative, indicative of that. This is just more cable cut, just fighting in yeah. general. Um, the fact that they have 75 channels, especially with like CBS, which has the biggest viewership out of any channel on on television, mm-hmm. is pretty cool. And the, it's more of a Sony strategy than it is a PlayStation One, which is interesting to me because they call it PlayStation View, mm-hmm. and that's just I, I wonder why they choose that as like the moniker. Someone, um, someone behind a desk was just like, "We need something catchy and edgy." View, and we'll spell it however horrible way you say it. But I'm, it. I'm more 
about taking, it being PlayStation. About it being PlayStation. Because oh. to me, it's a TV service. They're almost kind of synonymous, man. About it, you know? They're trying to make the PlayStation, PlayStation all the time. Yeah, but I feel like that's just because the the way we talk about it, you know? They're trying to make the PlayStation their all-in-one entertainment device. So they, you know, when well, you hear PlayStation, you think games, but they want to branch out. But that's that. what's interesting, right? So when Microsoft unveiled the Xbox One and went wholeheartedly into the PlayStation I mean, God, see, look at this. Into the, tele- <laughs> into, into the television realm, and then that failed. It's almost like they are sort of doing something similar, but a lot less, like a lot more muted, not trying to go for it as intensely. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're going to bring this service to iPad and other non-Sony devices means that they just want you to have this subscription and let you access it from whatever, whether it be your iPad or your actual PlayStation. And seems smart and a little aggressive and kind of cool. But it's a bundle that Sony's offering that covers basic cable options? It's it's basically, yeah. So if you subscribe to it, you get these 75 channels that you can watch at any time. and Without a cable box. Without a cable yeah. box. Okay. But they, they stream on a schedule. It's not like click and play like Netflix. That's, oh. a, good, that's a good question. That's huge. That is huge. If it is, I mean, I have no idea. Because... There's pros and cons to that. It's cool because you can act like, you know, I mean, some people like just turning on the TV and having to deal with whatever's on. Like, oh, this was on the other day. It's like listening to the radio. It's out of your control. And so it's kind of fun having it just happen to you in that way. Right. The radio is still going regardless of whether you're listening in on it. Yeah. You can still just kind of jump in. Like sometimes I'll skip a song on my iPhone shuffle in my car that when the radio comes on, I'll be like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. You know? And it's like the same song, but yeah. just because it's out of my control and someone else out there played that song that I like, I'm like, okay, cool. This good point. So there's something to be said for a TV schedule, I think. But with things like Netflix and Hulu, there's really no need to, to have to watch it at a certain time. Right. You know, like, they should just release, you know, like, a show that, you know, you try and catch, like, American Horror Story, when the new episode comes out, there's no need for it to, it should just be available at nine. You right. You shouldn't have to catch it at nine or but miss it. But what if it. they do right. that? Well, what if they just make it a weekly, like, now the new episode's available? Well, that's, that, I think that makes more sense for th- for this model, you know? Yeah. Do they do time streamings? Is, I mean, is there a business model that incorporates that? Well, that's what we're, we're not sure about this, right? But is there any business model that we know of that streams on a specific time schedule? You might be able to go to like CBS and watch the episode when it's airing. I have no idea. There are live streams. There are live streams that are available only for a specific amount of time. Right, like sports and sports and and concerts is usually what I I see for that. But for TV shows, it's it's never like the episode's up for. That's interesting. I mean, it's usually just up and then it stays. Not an expected turn. Yes. DVD. Well, that's interesting. I mean. it's definitely not an expected turn. Yeah, that I that I thought they would be taking this. Exactly, but, uh, and I don't really know how much weight they're going to put be putting behind the value of this. But yeah, I know the pricing will be really interesting to see, and just how you, I guess, consume it. Now, the biggest, the biggest sort of in the weird thing that I saw was just them attacking TV, much like Microsoft did the year before them and failing at it, and them say that, but them. Kind of saying, okay, well, let's let's try it too. It, it sort of does lead lend like a credence to <laughs> that being important because I original think, vision. I think both. I think the companies now see that yeah, people are fed up with cable, and it might be this this whole digital distribution is a lot bigger. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just where the future is headed. I don't have cable anymore. I got it for free at my old apartment, so you know, I used it when I wanted it. Yeah. But now, like, I have to pay for it in my new apartment. I was like, no. I mean, I just. 
you know, I watch Netflix or I just torrent it because exactly. it's just easier. Do you like, remember our episode where we discussed how Canada is unbundling everything? Yeah. I mean, that what, is when what are needs we going to gonna, happen. Yeah, when are we going to go there? I mean, geez. Can you, ima- like, can you imagine if this view service did that, though, and just like said... Like, forced them into a corner. And exactly. Oh, that's what I want so bad. That would be great. Like, so bad. <laughs> that's like capitalism at its finest. <laughs> um, Competition. All right. Well, I guess that's all we can really say about that. Okay. This next little news item is not little at all. It's pretty big. I have mm-hmm. a lot... Cool. We have, have 10 a, minutes. I have so. a lot to read about, so... Stop me when you want, because I don't want to just ramble on and on, but I'm going to talk about, over these last few months, these uh, games are being released with, like, broken multiplayer and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, So, yeah, so these last few months, like, an alarming number of games have been released with a lot of problems, uh, some worse than others. The PlayStation 4 exclusive Drive Club, which was delayed a whole year, it was, like, actually a, a launch game, that's what it was supposed to be. You were really excited about that one, too, right? Well, I don't have a PlayStation, so... You just thought that it had a lot of potential for a game. No, I mean, you might be confused with uh, Project Cars. And You're right. That was going to be sick as yeah, hell. That was what I was thinking. Project of. Cars? They couldn't come up with a, a better name? <laughs> How original. You're going to get your pants down and <laughs> poop on something again, Forrest? Hey, we haven't gotten to that part yet. <laughs> anyway, so Drive Club got delayed a year, and then when it released, its multiplayer suite was unfunctional, and which l- rendered a large portion of its features unusable because it had like this social drive thing you're supposed mm-hmm. to use. The Halo Master Chief Collection got released last week, and multiplayer was broken until today, <laughs> basically. Chase That's has awesome. been in a riot. I had so many people telling me, like, dude, you got to buy Halo. If Kevin Moschel's listening, yeah. screw you, Kevin. I hope <laughs> Halo's been. Are you saying that it's working today now? <laughs> yeah, they got a. They finally patched it and it, it works. This now. Kid's been freaking furious. How does it just not I work? Was, I like, was a. You were you were more patient about this contained. than you could have been. Yes. Moving just right along, like you couldn't get a game or. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You would be stuck in uh, in matchmaking for literally like ten straight minutes, and then if you actually did get into a game, sometimes it would freeze, sometimes it would lag you out, other times uh, players yeah. would get dropped. It's just embarrassing, like. How do you screw that up? Yeah, it's unacceptable. Yeah. I'm actually so yeah. This is kind of where that's headed. So Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare, or I mean Advanced Warfare, was also played with multiplayer lag, especially on the PC side. Okay, a lot of people had a lot of problems with that. Um, and Far Cry 4 suffered from multiplayer problems and a lot of bugs in its campaign. Mm-hmm. But the biggest fiasco by far was the release of Assassin's Creed Unity. Well, what do you expect? Those games are terrible. <laughs> they, those games, I don't like those <laughs> games either. But have you seen a lot of the memes and stuff online from this? Uh, no, but I'm sure I will on Reddit in the next few days if it's a thing. Well, so basically, when this game relo- when this game launched, players were falling through levels. There was frequent freezes, and NPCs would like show up in cutscenes without a face. Good. That's what you get if you buy Assassin's Creed Unity and think that that game is going to be good. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> God. Getting away from the negativity, <laughs> as we could come to expect from Forrest. That's why I'm here, man. I know. It's good. I didn't. I hate. We're positivity. too positive. Hey, I've been playing show. Dragon Age lately. Some... Dragon Age is awesome. I can't wait to buy. I can that rave game. about that in a positive way, if you want. Anyway, so these uh, these shaky launch with. Uni- I'm going to focus on Unity here. Okay. Sort of shed light on like outside pressures that can sort of make because we wonder like why are these people releasing these broken games? Right. And so like I'm going to try to show the other side of things that might kind of lend an ear to that. Like, defend that? Not defend, but, like, tell you why. Okay. But I, I still think all of this is unacceptable. Okay. Absolutely. And we as can, long as that's prefaced. Yeah, and we can talk about why it is as okay. well. So over at Polygon.com, this opinion piece was written by a guy named Colin Campbell, who is just a brilliant, like, writer that I always fo- follow his stuff on. 
And uh, he basically outlined all these outlying circumstances. And he starts by saying that yearly franchises, especially ones like Assassin's Creed that are like these flagship games, you know, they can easily hit a decline year over year, get like worse and worse um, Metacritic scores. And so it's imperative that these companies like Ubisoft consistently make them better to... To, to, you know, to com combat that. And you would think, especially this Unity game, which was set in the French Revolution, and Ubisoft is a French company, mm -hmm. that they would be incredibly be resilient yeah. Yeah, to make this like the best Assassin's there was. And, of course, when, when the thing releases, like, okay, we'll patch it and we'll fix it later. But a patch can't really fix this, like, word-of-mouth reputation that's been done, you know? Yeah, that's harsh. Because, in like, talking about the memes online, like, it, it blew up on the internet. Videos of these horrible bugs, tons of memes making fun of the game. And, like, once that general perception of that is released, it's over it's and over. done with. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's downhill. So he points out to the fact that Ubisoft is a public company. And uh, this year specifically, they've earned $600 million of their projected $1.7 billion fiscal year. Okay? Damn. So that means that they're really relying on a stellar holiday season to bring them their projections. And Assassin's Creed is the, base, the biggest mainstay in their holiday lineup. Oh, that's they, they also had, <laughs> they also had um, Far Cry 4, but Far Cry has never done numbers nearly as big as Assassin's Creed. Far Cry looks so cool, though. Oh, it looks amazing. Are they still trying to push Watch Dogs? game was also terrible i mean it just came out on wii u that's about it don't buy it <laughs> i didn't okay don't yeah because i hope you like assassin's creed because it's the same game <laughs> so basically with this fiscal year stuff the the game company was at odds with their shareholders they can either ship this game with problems like they did and suffer this huge reputation blow mm -hmm. or they can risk damaging their reputation with shareholders and so he also points to the fact that Assassin's Creed Unity doesn't really have a triple-A competitor in the realm of historical fiction. So they kind of have room to breathe when they release a game that's sort of subpar. Yeah. And that is that is what is surrounding them releasing this broken game. Now, it doesn't excuse it being broken, and it's infuriating to me that people spent $60 on a game that like basically doesn't work. Especially with these other ones like multiplayer um, problems, like in Halo, people take took work off on Tuesday and played like three <laughs> games. That's yeah. insane. Again, that's what you get for, for what? <laughs> being excited for taking work off to play Halo. Dude. Well, I mean, that's not the. Point. I remember kids stayed home from school when Halo Two came out. I would have never been allowed to stay home from Oops, school. Sorry, your parents weren't cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I this is this kind of plays to. Uh, uh, Theory versus theory, stakeholder versus shareholder ideologies, where it's like, we should be doing things that basically are going to make the shareholders happy, regardless of what the outside uh, implications will mean on the society, on investors, on just everything else that are not shareholder. Or there's a stakeholder theory where, theory where it's like, our business should basically be pushing its actions forward in order to not only satisfy our shareholders and the people that are involved with the business, but also everybody that is affected by what is done by the business. So I'm a, a much more stakeholder person. I basically believe that when you're a business entity, you have a lot more at stake than just w what your shareholders get out of it. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't think that there should be, I don't think that there should be a polarization between are we just going to release these games early and they suck and then patch them? Or are we going to 
release them later and then everyone you know gets pissed off because they weren't early enough and our shareholders didn't think i mean there should be definitely a middle ground there you know well, what would there, you what would the middle ground be because it, better production planning better fuck but you know i mean just be better business overall well, here, streamline your shit here's the deal i mean the the assassins games have an annual release yeah there's so, no there's well, that's no part of the problem probably i mean but here's the deal here's how it works is they have multiple studios so one studio is actually working on the game for like 2 to 3 years and then when it's their turn to release, they're actually releasing the year after whatever some other studio did. Right, okay. So they stagger it. So like they that. stagger it. But okay, that's fine. But, but, I mean, apparently not efficiently. But here's what I'm saying is there's plenty of games that get delays. And there'll be three-month delays, a okay. year delay. And that might mean a better game. That means more time for polish, fixing these bugs. Hopefully. And when it comes out, exactly, hopefully. I mean, with Drive Club, who knows what underlying problem, you know, a year later they still couldn't get it out right. But... There's a lot there. Are, there are attitudes that sort of highlight what you're saying exactly. There's people who are like they get so infuriated when they have to wait these extra times for these games, and then like the hype will die, which affects sales numbers. And then there's the people who are like, you know what, dude, take your time because I like this and I like what it looks like and I want it to work. Mm -hmm. And they clearly went the former route. Now, it's also a little unfair because you know we we have these always online machines basically where pretty much everyone who buys these consoles are hooked up to Xbox Live or the PlayStation network and they can get these patches mm -hmm. but guess what there's people out there who don't do that and they can't I would patch, be one of those people they can't patch the game I don't know how to do that stuff. I mean it would do it automatically for you oh. but if you didn't have an internet connection your game would never be fixed yeah okay yeah that's war that's that's bs exactly right and anyway I find it, I just find what, it sucks. That is, it's, that is what is becoming, like, how we're going to describe this year of releases, where, where all of these, like, really promising games that came out with just terrible launches. Right, tanked. We're, we're at a crossroads now where, inter where, like, Internet's getting to the point where it's almost everywhere. You know, you can get Wi-Fi almost anywhere, and, you know, there's things like, was it, like, Google Fiber or whatever the, like, hot air balloon thing is? You know what I'm talking about. Um, so, like, loud. you know, do you, you remember Xbox One tried initially to make their stuff so that you had to be connected to the Internet to yes. use it at all? Backlash. Yeah, of course. And that's understandable, but they're... they're I, I didn't. I never took... I backlash. Their heads were in the right place. It, we're just not there yet to support that. Right, but right. but they're thinking you know toward the future and that's good. Mm -hmm. So you know the fact that you know these games can't be fixed if you don't have an internet connection that does suck definitely. And you know, it's a minority for sure. Yeah. But to also speak to like minorities, it's really only one percent of players who are experiencing these like horribly laughable bugs. But the magnifying glass of places like Reddit is what is yeah. destroying reputation. But also one percent out of like thirteen million—that's a huge number of players. So. Yeah. That has to be taken into consideration yeah, as well. A, yeah, it's 130,000. <laughs> it's it's hard to get, and you know, it's hard to like get a hold of. You know, if you're someone, if you're a victim of that, so to speak, it's hard to get a hold of the company and say like, "Hey, what the hell? Like, yeah. what's wrong with my game?" You can't return it and get your money back. Yeah, basically. and like some games have been good about this. Like for all the stuff Bungie got wrong in Destiny, they have a very good presence on uh, Reddit. Um, yeah. And there's this guy named Deej. Yeah, he, he the just, community Deej, manager. Yeah, yep. he just listens, and you know, he they. They try to fix problems. I'm not saying that they're not after your money with their DLC, because they are and stuff, but they do listen. I and mean, they're a business. Yeah, yeah, they are. And they do listen, and they've fixed some things. So that's that's good that you know a company like that does that. But Ubisoft, they're, they're very impersonal. I don't think they care if people are They also shoehorn in a lot of their own 
platforms like you play and stuff. Yeah, yeah I hate like I hate any of those. In like, Assassin's accounts. Creed Unity, there's like these treasure chests that they put in places where like you're gonna see them and try to open them, and it's like to open these treasure chests, go apply for or go sign up for you <laughs> oh play, and it's just dude. like, dude, you're gonna spend three years making this incredibly believable world of Paris. And then pull me out of the experience by doing like by by making, making me go to my BS computer. And the second I'm on my computer, I'm just gonna get on Twitter anyway. So what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like in a similar scenario, I um I, I bought Dragon Age, and you know, like just like Mass Effect, the decisions you made in the previous two installments mm-hmm. affect everything. But you know, I've jumped a system generation between yeah. the last two games. My account's different now. So what I had to do was I had to go to some website i built this tapestry thing where yeah, i got there to, was that, this was like an elegant fix to that yeah I, I, I got to fix or pick every decision i'd made in the past games it was cool i didn't remember a lot of it so i just was like randomizing a lot of it but some of the major ones i was like oh yeah i've you know romanced this character or killed that guy whatever and so i did all that <laughs> spent maybe an hour on it and then tried to link my thing to my ea origins account couldn't do it I'm playing in the default world on there Dragon Age 3, man. and it's fine, you know, it's whatever, but, uh, you know, yeah. it, w- that, modern service games is, service is terrible, EA Origins account, like, no one likes that. Well, it's because they're trying to do their own Steam, basically, yeah, but that but ain't going to work. All right, yeah. <laughs> well, that's all the news we have, so let's go ahead and take a breather and then come back. Let's do it. This is Witty Banter. Don't forget to follow us at Witty Banter Show on Twitter. And shoot an email over to wittybantershow at gmail.com. Okay, um, so we're back, everyone. And before we start talking about the beer again, I want to go ahead and, and let listeners know this is really cool what's about to happen. So tomorrow, if you own an Xbox One and you have an Xbox Live Gold account, you can get Sunset Overdrive for free. What? Why? They're going to release Sunset Overdrive for free for one day. Did it flop or something? I don't think so. I mean, what sucks about the NPD reports about sales is they don't include game sales when it's been bundled with the system, and that's probably a large portion mm. of where those sales came from. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But no, it was very far down on the NPD. I mean, it was like number 10, which isn't stellar, but at least it was on that thing. So yeah, I don't know it if they It looks so fun, though. Oh, it looks it great. Looks, it looks fun in a mindless kind of way, like like Crackdown. You well, know? It looks like Tony Hawk's post skater with like yeah, killing things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is cool. It, I, I think it looks great. I think it'd hold my interest for a couple hours, and then I'd be probably be done with it. It's definitely a game, like a one-and-done game, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. But it's they def, they're just trying to get that game into the hands of everybody. And um, you, you look at how their you know, PlayStation Plus doing the free games was outclassing Xbox Live Games for Gold's hand over hand. And this isn't a Games for Gold. This is just a one-time sale. But this is like a step in the right direction as far as like giving people something really worthwhile. Yeah. You know, one of their biggest releases of the year is free tomorrow. That's pretty yeah, cool. That's pretty wild. I guess I should download it just in case <laughs> I want yeah, it. Damn right. I'm not going to do anything but play Dragon Age for a while. <laughs> but. I'm going to buy Dragon Age the second I'm done with my finals. Okay, yeah. And I'm, I'm done. I'm not. Okay, um, I want to talk about this beer real fast. You had mentioned when you first smelled it for us that you smelled citrus. Yeah, I smelled citrus. That's really interesting. I don't exactly smell it, but you know what? That aftertaste that I get is is bearing on like a citrusy side for me for some reason. I mean, I told you before, like, I don't know a lot, like when I was talking about beer and wine tasting, I don't know a lot about that. Like you can sit there and just be like, oh, like 
you know, I smell some wood or whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> I smell the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. Like, <laughs> people say the weirdest things about right. wine and beer. But with this one, I can definitely smell the cinnamon and mm-hmm. I smell citrus. I don't know if it's actually there or not, but... So maybe that's one of those examples of the weird things that people are like, I smell kind of an earthy tone. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. I don't know what that means. But yeah. All right. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't get hardly any cinnamon, which is like sucks for me because I love cinnamon. Hmm. Um, I get a lot of the nutmeg. I think the aftertaste has like the aftertaste doesn't really carry the brunt of the body of the taste. Yeah, I feel it's, like the aftertaste, the aftertaste is kind of like this weird... It like, like, tastes different, yeah, right? Yeah, like a digression from the original taste. Exactly. Almost. I don't really like the way it's sticking in my, in my throat. Me neither. It's, yeah, it's almost like a, not... It's not a, one of the things that you would advocate for this beer, definitely. So I really like the aftertaste of it. Really? Yeah, it's, it's refreshing and, and like cool to me. I, it just feels... I don't know. Just like... An, what do y'all think about the consistency of this beer? It's a little light. Yeah. It's pretty drinkable. Sessionable, if you will. A little throwback there. <laughs> it's a uh, it's session-ish. Session-ish. I wouldn't say it's sessionable though. So how do you how do you judge this? Like are you are you literally just thinking about how thick of a liquid it is? Well, here's the deal. If it has a higher alcohol content, it's going to be like a more syrupy liquid because okay. it has more sugars in it. Okay. And right. so when it has less alcohol, it's going to be a lot more watery. All right. Right. So I mean, I can definitely tell the difference between this and like, you know, a Bud Light. Right. But from this to something, you know, like Hi. a porter, like a like a heavy. Beer yeah, or once you're getting into beers that are already thicker than light beer, I really can't. I don't know. I can't tell the difference. If you, I mean, we we just we should just go out and get beers at like Bangers or something. You should have some of these Imperial Stouts. It's literally like drinking a milkshake. Really, and it's, it's delicious. It really <laughs> is. Um, but yeah, so just to sort of end on this little halftime thing, I smell the um, the nutmeg a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I also smell toffee. I don't taste toffee, but I kind of smell like a toffee-ish. Like if you think of like a Heath bar, okay, I kind of get that. I won't go bit. against you there, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but um, what about a crunch bar? <laughs> what about a Toblerone? <laughs> Maybe. It's um, <laughs> the like the initial taste, like the flavor profile of the actual beer. I can't really. I'm wrestling with it, man. I am too. It's it's a tough one. And the aftertaste is this weird. Like I, unlike you, I'm getting a little bit more of the cinnamon in the aftertaste. But um, that weird, like this, this citrusy, strange. It's it's a I little off-putting. It, but it's like a phlegm aftertaste for me. Like you kind of just cough like, something yes. up. Ugh. Yeah. Does he hate the beer every time? No, no. <laughs> I love. He's rated beer. beer higher than I have before. Okay. Yeah, I love beer. This <laughs> one is way more enjoyable to me than the last one that I. Well, I'll drinking. agree with that. Last one was bacon. <laughs> I loved that. That's but a bummer. That's, I, I, wish, right. I wish I did, because then I could be like, hey, guys, rock beer for me. Yeah. You know, but I can't. So Okay, <laughs> so we're going to move into our next segment, and we're finally going to do a new one. And this one is actually from the idea, from the <laughs> brains of Forrest here. Now, Forrest has a reputation with me of him just kind of crapping on everything that I like. <laughs> and Probably it's, evident in this episode. It's, so, yeah, it's showing through a little bit. <laughs> so the idea of this, this whole, this segment is called Debate Forrest's Hate. <laughs> yes. And basically what's going to happen is Forrest... Forrest is hate? You said my name plural. Like, like Forrest, all Forrest's hate. No, like if you put an apostrophe at the end of S in Forrest... Actually, oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. He, just needs one. he doesn't need an S. But it's a T. But a T is like a t- forest. debate. Forest hates or debates. Forest hates. Guys, this is how it is. Okay, doesn't matter. It's debate. Forests hate. 
Exactly. Okay. Thank that. You. That's the name of the show. <laughs> All right. What we're going to do is we're going to pick a topic. It may be something that I love and Forrest hates. It may be something that I hate and Forrest's love. Or Hunter. You know, Hunter's a part right of the show, Right now, I'm going to moderate right this Right now, one. for this one, I'm going to keep the salt levels low. <laughs> Thank God. The tide of the salt is going to be low on this one. And I'm going to moderate That's this. good, because I was thinking about this like, <laughs> Oh yesterday. Yes, I could tell that... that uh, Forrest was coming in with some spice. Now, before okay, some before heat. we continue on, we need to go and tell him what we're going to be talking about. Okay. We're talking okay. about the movie Skyfall today. And Forrest, t- and tell him why. Forrest hates Skyfall. It's my favorite Bond movie. All right, and that's that's that is the debate. That's the debate. All right, and I go. will I will agree <laughs> to be civil about this. Yes. Okay, yeah, handshake. Here right. it is. Handshake oh, on oh, this. Oh, oh man, right. we're now, gentlemen here. We're going we're gonna refrain from polarized language. Okay, we're going to be civil here. Um, I think the best way that we could sort of do this is let's maybe go point for point. Okay. Do you want I me to give points that I find are good points? I have um, a list here. Yeah, I kind of can move I kind of like <laughs> the idea of there being a def- like a around the horn kind of thing. Definable winner. Yeah, okay. Okay. So Hunter's been moderating. Okay. Um great. Forrest, I would like you to go first. Okay. I think the most important thing to talk about when you talk about Skyfall and, and to be fair, let me say I wouldn't be critiquing the movie if I didn't like it on some level. Sure. Okay. Right? So just to be fair. It's just not your favorite, but it's your least favorite it, Bond movie. I have a lot of issues with it because it's about something that I love. All something right. Something that's important to me. All right. Okay. okay. So the, the thing about Skyfall is it's following a movie that was universally panned. Quantum of Solace. Yes. Which is one of my favorite Bond movies. What? Okay, so yeah. Who there, are you? There you go. All right. My favorite Bond film, as I said in the what I emailed you, is Casino Royale. I won't go into details about why. It's okay. just fantastic. It was Do you agree great, with my details? Yeah, you yeah, know. You said a lot of good yes. things. It's just a great reboot. Craig did a great job. I'll leave it at that. Point for us. Quantum, <laughs> <laughs> Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace is a continuation of... That storyline, it suffered from the writer's strike. People didn't like the villain. Doesn't matter what's wrong with it. People hated it. I love it. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. So you're coming off of this, this, this movie everyone hated, and Peter Travers ranked the worst Bond movie of all time, which is dumb. Have you ever seen Octopussy? Terrible fucking movie. <laughs> anyway, so, okay, you're, there's all this hype. They build it up, Heineken's all over it. All right, so you're coming down off of that, and do you want me to start with, uh, speci- however you want however bro. you want to start okay I have this I have this list of things and I can start big picture or little let's do Go big, big picture big let's picture. do the big themes okay. let's do the All big right. themes I'm gonna talk about the anachronism and what that means is like the out of place on a timeline uh, just doesn't fit into the timeline of anything and is mixed up all right. Okay. The Craig the Craig Bond universe is a reboot. We can all agree on that. Casino Royale starts out with Bond earning his yes. his double O stripes, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, and Quantum of Solace is just a, a continuation of Casino Royale. They're the same movie, basically, same plot line. Fast forward, however long, Bond's suddenly this aged old vet- dog, old dog <laughs> who's like washed up. He can barely keep with it. The times have passed him by somehow, even though he's was you know this young agent in the last movie. And all of a sudden, the the universe decides. They don't like what they did in Casino Royale and, and Quantum, rebooting the franchise. They want to go back to the old classic feel of Bond, which is fine. I can get on board with that. But the way they went about it was just totally ma- it messed up. All right, so... Well, here, well, let me say right, yeah, this. All right, okay. 
I am not the, like, I'm not a huge, I don't have a lot of Bond knowledge. I watched Pierce Brosnan as James Bond, and that's pretty much the only Bond exposure I have. So mm. when I went into this movie, I didn't really give a shit about the timeline. I just went in to go see a James Bond movie. Okay. And when I'm looking at it in its own, just as a film in a vacuum, that like, that stuff doesn't really affect me. And so, okay. okay. I grew up, I grew up on Brosnan too, but I also watched all the old classic ones and there's a bunch of homages in Skyfall, you know, the ejector seat and the, the Aston Martin, you know, and that's cool. Yeah. That's fine. He's got mm-hmm. his bond staples. The okay. problem with it is they couldn't decide if they were living in the, the Craig universe they'd created or just the sort of meta self-aware bond. You know, bond fandom. And they cross over each other a lot in the movie so you meet you meet this young Q, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. We've rebooted the franchise. You haven't met Q yet. All right, he comes in and he's young. And he tells Bond that they don't go out for cool little gadgets anymore because he gives Bond a gun and a radio. Like he knows in the past what Bond used to exactly. use. Exactly. <laughs> but no, that's just, that is like a above layer just poke at the fact that people who are watching these movies know what to expect from it's Bond. Meta. Exactly. Yeah, okay, but hear me out. They make a big deal out of Bond receiving these things from Q that are apparently not up to the standards of what kind of gadgetry Daniel Craig Bond is used to. Watch the previous two movies. Obviously, there's no Q. There's no goofy (laughs) exploding pens or anything. So that that Craig Bond never experienced any of that. If anything, that that was something to come. You were waiting for that to happen. And here shows up this young Q... And he tells Bond they don't do that anymore as if they ever had. And so as an audience, you're like, oh, I remember the old Sean Connery movies where the pens blew up or whatever. And you're like, okay, that's cool. And that works on a nostalgic meta level. But as far as self-contained in Skyfall, it makes no sense at all. And then later on, when they meet Silva, the villain, and he asks Bond, like, oh, do you have any of those gadgets from those fools over at Q Branch? Again, Q Branch is named after Q. Silva was an agent from years past. Q's a new dude. Why does he know that? It doesn't okay, it's just fine. bad writing. Like Okay, fine. But when I think about how they didn't use gadgets in the actual film, it's you not having to really keep track of all these little things that he's got in his in his side pockets and handkerchiefs. Now all he has is a gun and this little radio that are used like in the actual plot. You know, there's just a moment where someone picks his gun up and can't shoot him, and you're like, oh, it's because the gun is this. I've got something to say about that gun too. Fine. Oh. And then he's got the little radio thing that is used just to get him out of the island. Yeah. And, right. and so it's just like these little one and done things. You don't have to really it does they don't focus on the gadgets. And that's all they're trying to say is like, look, it's not about these crazy things. It's just about him using these little simple but the whole but the whole point of the movie was undoing the lack of gadgetry and wanting to go back to the old gimmicky campy bond. That was the point of Skyfall was like we need to return the old ways are best. They say that line in the movie. Right. And so it's like they halfway through they, they forgot what they were trying to prove with the movie. And all right, so so that brings me to the PBK because it's his palm coated gun. That's cool. I love that idea of him only in that scene where the guy tries to kill him with it. That was great. That was awesome bond. They made a giant deal out of the return of the Walther PBK. For those who don't know, that's Bond's iconic little right. wimpy gun that mm-hmm. he always has. And it's awesome. I love that gun. Um, so in Tomorrow Never Dies, the second Brosnan film, 
halfway through the movie, he ditches the PPK and gets a Walther P99, which is a just beefed up version of the PPK. Because okay. some producer was like, that gun looks wimpy in Bond's hand. We need something <laughs> bigger. Yeah. And they stuck with it all the way through Casino Royale. Craig uses the P99 through that whole film, and it's silenced the whole time. looks awesome. He kills people with it. It's sick. <laughs> all right. Um, they made a giant deal out of wanting to go back to the classic Bond look, okay. and they, they're like, we're bringing back the PPK for Skyfall. Oh, man. Go watch the opening scene of Quantum of Solace, where he's in the movie everyone hates that was the worst, totally didn't even capture Bond at all. The Sienna Chase scene, Bond's got a PVK. At the end, when he confronts the dude who was like Vesper's fake lover or whatever, he's got a PVK. They just, they counted on people just hating that movie and just wanting to hate it. People love to do that. And so they just said, hey, we're, re we're returning this thing. Don't worry about the last movie. Even though that was in the last movie. It was in the last movie, and like they made a big deal out of it on the internet. Like, here comes Bond's favorite gun. He never even fires his palm-coated one. And so a lot of the things that you really don't like about this movie are the circular reasoning that's going on. Ex yes, it. yes. Okay. And well, that's fair. I mean, that's that is fair. But I mean, for me, that like I didn't even see. Like, I saw Quantum Solace once and forgot about it. And when I went to see this movie, I wasn't even thinking about the timeline and all that. All I saw was the movie. And when he got that gun. He just got a gun to me. I didn't even know what what it was called. To, you okay, know? to Bond fan, Q tells him he he they're sitting there looking at that painting of the ship, and Q's like, "Well, it's a PPK. It's palm coated. Your palm print." Telling Bond like Bond doesn't know what a PPK is. <laughs> it was very like direct address to the audience. Here's the classic Bond right, gun. Okay, it's coming back. Also, Bond used the PPK in the opening sequence of Skyfall, which in itself was dumb because. The PPK makes sense when you're trying to conceal it, which for Bond's party scene, tuxedo, espionage, yeah. it's great. It's the wonderful gun for him to have. If you're in a chase scene, you don't want like the PPK. you're chasing down a terrace, <laughs> you want a bigger gun. It's just dumb. It doesn't make sense. He should have had the P99 in the opening and then had Q give him this falls flat, having him later to return to the old ways if that's what they were trying to do with the film. So it just falls flat, having him unloading with it, and then he gets this special one. He does not watch the movie. He does not shoot the palm-coated one. And, of course, the point is that, only, that right. someone else was supposed to try to yeah. shoot it at him, and it doesn't work. So you, you mentioned that you sort of took uh, – you, you weren't happy with this old Bond thing, considering just in the last movie he was young Bond. Yeah, they, they just now, rebooted it, and it's like they tried to undo my two favorite Bond movies. With yeah. – with, those with this movie in a vacuum though and just having bond as an old dude as they sort of had him in this movie i think that the taste like they tastefully did like weaved that theme of age throughout it he was this lined bond and you know even in that scene with q where he's like i can i can pull a trigger in my pajamas if you want and he's like yeah or no when not to pull it and it's it was never this like oh youth is definitely better there was always this sort of Elegant age thing. Yeah, it was like, okay, well, you, there was both sides to it that I thought was done nicely. And him returning back to his home, his hometown or whatever, and burning it down and just sort of like forgetting all of that and it's, showing that he's like he's past it. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like the debate from, for, from where my standpoint is just that one is coming from like a Bond lover perspective and like, like harking on Bond themes and Bond isms. 
And then the other one's just approaching it from a movie standpoint. Let me let me just go like, ahead and let me talk for a little bit. Okay. So this is what I really liked. I thought the action scenes were incredible. I thought they were all done really well. They are choreographed brilliantly. That opening chase scene that goes on for like twenty minutes is insane. It's a wonderfully shot film. Yeah, when they're when like when they're on the train and they're fighting and all that, and the coolest part is after it like the train separates and he yeah he freaking fixes his cufflinks after that. Awesome. No, no, yeah. I'm not debating the, any of that with the film. That's all great. Dripping with cool. Yeah. And not only that, I just like, I liked that look of Bond. I like him being like this kind of grizzled dude who was sort of like, everyone's telling him he's past his prime and he's failing his tests and all that. And he's like, F that. I'm still going to get stuff done. The clothing in Bond has always been awesome, but I think in this one in particular, it was at its strongest. They went a little, a little Metro. bit overboard <laughs> having shots of Bond just standing there looking dope in a suit. They always do it, but usually it's like as he's walking into a scene, there were some shots in Skyfall where he's just standing. Like I modeling. liked it, though. <laughs> I liked modeling. it because the suits were awesome. But it's just an but advertisement. It's, I don't care, man, because huh? style-wise, those suits were sick, and he pulled them off really well, and he just looked like a badass he Bond. He does. Yeah, no, he does. And not only that, but like even when, he's, when he goes back to Skyfall and he's got like the leather coat, and the sweater and all that, and he's in the Aston Martin. Like it looks dope. I just think I think it's also the style of the film. Great. Piggybacking off of style, the color schemes in that movie were beautiful. The cinematography is fantastic. Incredible. That's my favorite part of the film, the Shanghai scene, yes. is incredible. The red and gold Shanghai scene just like blew my mind. Even when they're just in the underground uh, headquarters of what of whatever it's called, and everything is gray. His suit is like a is blue enough to pop out, and then Money Penny is in like a yellow dress, and like your freaking eye is on her because of the color scheme. That sort of stuff is what blows it blew me away. They got that very right, and in my opinion, it, it's a shame that they got that so right and missed the things that I have. Which all right, so go, playing off of what you said about the older, you know, kind of worn out Bond. That was an attempt to continue the theme of humanizing Bond, which has been very present in the Craig films, which was completely absent in the Brosnan movie. Yeah. Right. It's that modernization of the, the modernization effort. and just wanting to connect with the human it's, being. And it's a lot more about the mind of Bond as opposed to just what Bond can physically kind yeah, of Yeah, as opposed to the, the scenes of Brosnan just mowing down waves on waves of dudes with right. an AK that he picked up Because that's not from. as cool. Yeah, and so I applaud Skyfall for trying to do that, but people... All right, if you look at Casino Royale, that was your first introduction to a Bond that was vulnerable. When he, kill, <laughs> when he kills those dudes in the stairwells, with the, the dudes with the machetes that attack him, he goes and stares at himself in the mirror covered in blood, and you can see he just, real, he just had to kill two dudes with his bare hands. And later when Vesper dies, he, he realizes he's like lost everything. And that torture scene where he's naked, strapped to the chair, like... That was awesome. Everything, you just saw this man break. And that's why that's why Casino Royale is not just a good Bond film. It's a good movie. But that's what I'm arguing, is like, with your Bond detachments, Skyfall is great. I think the themes are done well in a vacuum. I think the style of the movie is sick as hell. Um, first of all, Adele's opening song, that opening is the best, oh, Bond, yeah, no, best Bond opening there is. And Judy Dench as M., Oh, she's great. Killed it. And, she's great. But it's it's subtle things. So when she's like, okay, take the shot, right? She tells her, take it. I don't care. Hits Bond. She thinks that she just got Bond killed. She, she's got this like emotional struggle of like trying to be strong and like you're supposed to, you know, this is how it is. And she turns around. She doesn't cry, 
but instead, the moment she looks out the window, it starts pouring it's, down rain. Okay, all right. There's a lot of symbolism laden in that movie like that. It's very obvious, though. When when Bond, in the opening scene, when Bond shows up and he's like, the hard drive is gone, which, by the way, why do they have that? Why does that hard drive exist? That why was, does it, why that do, was dumb. Suspend no, your disbelief. That, Come on. That was dumb. But mo- uh, that's all I'm going to say about well, it. Would you rather call it like the Bing Bong Shibbity Shop is gone? Like, yeah, come on. because the why, like okay, we need you to make a list of all of our operatives, put it on a hard drive, and go keep it in a hotel room where it can get <laughs> stolen. Look, that's literally what happened. I will say <laughs> that the movie was definitely easy to follow. It wasn't a thinker, but every decision that they made when they made it, it was it was it was. I wasn't it was disappointed. I was like, oh well, of course that's what happened. But it's not, an of course, that's what happened in a predictable way, but in a way that needed to happen. See, I found I thought it was the opposite. I thought it was very predictable. When Bond goes, he realizes the hard drive's gone, and that other agent is bleeding out and dying. He says, I have to stabilize Ronson. She says, leave him. Go find the hard drive. And Bond looks at Ronson, sees this human being dying, and Bond thinks to himself, would she do the same to me? And she does when she says, take the shot. She money penny. He says, I could hit Bond. That's a cool parallel. It's cool. That's a well-written I, parallel. I found it a little like, oh, of course. I see. It, I, it was too easy. It was just like, oh, Bond's wondering if It's if like Forrest just... gets bummed out by his own wit. Oh, <laughs> may, like, may, and, okay, at the risk of sounding douchey. No, I understand. It's possible that like, I was too smart for the movie. I don't, I don't know. Consider like, the audience, might be too though. big of a Bond yeah, no, that Fan. might be. You're I might have been spoiled fondness, by Casino Royale, yeah. which was just, in my mind, way a step above. But, sorry, I got off track. The human bond, I said how it was in Casino Royale. In Skyfall, they thought they could accomplish the same thing by having Bond take a bullet to the shoulder and grow some five o'clock shadow. That's literally what... it. Having Bond be humanized in that movie, he gets, he gets a wound... He can't take the test. Wakes up with a babe. Which, first of all... <laughs> which in- was done well. Another thing the freaking movie does well is the sex scenes are like... It's just basically him initiating it, and they cut away. It was sex very classy. Are, sex scenes are terrible in that. Oh, okay, Because there are none. I'm getting, I'm getting off... All right, sorry. Let's end it. Let's end oh, it now. Okay, cool. okay, right, that, that brings me to my last point, all right? So I've, I've, I've explained, I think, the humanization of Bomb was cheap. Okay, my last point, and I'm, I've skipped some, but... I've skipped the, some as well. The last one I'll say... Um, we, we should, we actually, we should talk about Silva. We'll continue this. We, we should talk about Silva in a minute, but the women in, in this movie, all right, and this isn't something I particularly care about, but I'm surprised other people weren't pissed about this. If you look at Casino Royale and Quantum, you have really strong female leads. They're independent. They don't rely on Bond. Uh, the casino or the Quantum girl doesn't even sleep with Bond. All right. Damn. Skyfall, you have a sex slave who Bond has sex with despite being a sex slave, then she catches a bullet to the head, and then the main girl, Money Penny, she royally screws up the first mission, almost kills Bond, spends the rest of the movie being berated by Bond for being yeah. competent, hey, and him puppy. telling her it's not for everyone, and she <laughs> ends up handing in her gun at the end and sitting behind a desk as a secretary because the field's not for everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know Bond's misogynistic, but they'd kind of gotten more progressive within the last couple movies and okay. backtracked. That's a good point. It was a little, un- I, like, I don't, and again. Closing remark right now. Sum it up. Closing remark. Skyfall tried to, th- to be a, a good throwback movie and aesthetically is wonderful and within the context of the Craig universe is a shit show. Okay. For me, <laughs> the movie has excellent pacing. It never falters for me. It's a long movie and I was, I was never bored. The color schemes are beautiful. The symbolism between some of the characters, I think, is fantastic. And 
Good movie all around. Silva's a terrible villain. Silva's great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now let's go ahead and put... We have no mail, so let's go ahead and put numbers on this beer and get out of here. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Um, since y'all are probably winded from that debate, I'll go ahead and start. Um, the, yeah, again, I mean, as this opened up, I thought it, the flavors might be a little bit more distinct for me. They haven't. <laughs> um, essentially, it's just a light... It's like a lighter beer that has a lot of spices in it. Um, nutmeg, most pronounced for, for me particularly. Uh, you know, despite, I mean, Forrest likes the aftertaste. My aftertaste is a little bit like, it's not bitter. You know, I, I like bitter, but it's just different in a way that's not to my liking. I'm going to give this beer a seven. Okay. Yeah. So it's good? It's a good beer. I, I think that I'm, I'm trying to get gauge how this beer would be compared to other spice ales. And yeah. I've never really had that many spice ales, but like, I think that I would like this beer as a spice ale more than a lot of other spice ales. So, okay, sure. Yeah. yeah, for me, uh, I really, I enjoy the smell most, the most out of this beer. I think it smells good. It's got clover, a little bit of toffee, like I said earlier. Um, the, the initial flavor is sort of lackluster. It's sort of non-existent for me. And it drinks, it's really thin, you know, it's only 5.8. It's not, not the heaviest thing. And uh, the aftertaste, yeah, is funky for me. This, this weird, like, cinnamon, citrusy thing that just, like, literally hangs in my throat. It's been in my throat this whole episode, <laughs> even when I'm not drinking it. Uh, so I'm going to give it a six. Okay. okay. I really like the citrusy aspect of it. Whatever it is that's causing it, we don't even know if yeah. there's any orange <laughs> or whatever in it. People um, that made this brewer just like, what are they talking about? That's al- that's always <laughs> a that's very every episode. <laughs> that's always a very pleasant surprise to me in a in a beer. Um, it's just it's smooth and easy to drink and sweet, and I like the aftertaste. So I'm gonna give this an eight. I would drink this again for cool. sure. Cool. So Jeez. it's a great beer. I think it's really nice. good. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and start plugging away. You can find Witty Banter on iTunes. Just search Witty Banter. Hit subscribe. And then every week when we post an episode, it'll show up in your download queue for free. We're on Facebook. We're Facebook.com slash podcast. No, Facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. And uh, we have 104 likes now. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're moving up. There. Yeah. We're on Twitter at Witty Banter Show. Go to YouTube and search Witty Banter, whatever episode you want to see. And uh, we'll be there. We're on video now. Super fun. It's free. I am also on Twitter. I am at Bodacious Chase. Hunter's at Diesel Dorset. I'm just Forrest Collada. You're at Forrest Collada. Um, anything else that you guys want to plug before we get out of here in particular? Uh, I'm good. Oh, there's about to be magical music to be made this Sunday, and Forrest will be joining us. There might be recordings coming your way soon, so yeah. be on the lookout. So be excited. I guess I should plug myself here. I'm yeah. Totally. What are you, what are you working is, on? I'm, I'm an audio engineer living here in Austin. I, I go to school for it here at the Recording Conservatory of Austin. If anybody listening is or knows a musician who would like to record some music, I will do your first session for free. So Boom. Uh, Can't beat yeah. that deal. You can find me on Facebook, or you know, if you know these dudes, they can put you in contact with me. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, the studio is awesome. Check it out. Great. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get any email, but if you want to email the show and be a part of it, just email wittybantershow at gmail.com. And lastly, I finally I wrote up a review of a game called Child of Light mm-hmm. that I would like to put out there, and I also wrote a review of a movie called Kill List. You can find both of those at um, bodaciouschase.com. So give those give those a read. I would really appreciate it. Yeah, they're cool. good. Chase is well-written. Yay. Oh, yeah. uh, besides that, this has been episode number 36. And we're out of here. Now. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Pip, <laughs> <laughs>